Holy wisdom, holy word, be thou our vision, be thou our true word, your true wisdom from above, that with you and in you we might find our way to life. Amen. This morning, I'm going to start with the bad news. Our words, the words we say every day, day in and day out, our words can and do crush, deceive, distort, demean, and destroy. On the regular, our words hurt, harm, and wound folks, sometimes even those we love deeply. I start with the bad news this morning because the writer of James fairly clobbers us in the head with it. They don't mince words. The tongue, the writer says, the source of all our speaking, the tongue is a world of evil. It corrupts our whole body and is itself set on fire by hell. And then two verses later, the writer says the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And in case we don't get the point, the writer of James offers up some vivid imagery. The tongue is like a bridle on a wild horse in need of taming. If we don't rein it in, well, watch out for the horse's kick. The tongue is like the tiny rudder on a big ship with the power to run the whole ship onto rocky shoals in the midst of a storm. Think Titanic, only bigger. The tongue is like a spark that can set on fire the entire cycle of nature. In our brittle and drought-ridden world, we don't need to say anything more to understand the enormity of that image. We could say that all this is hyperbole, and technically it is, rhetorically it is, but I think we get it. I think we get what the writer of James is saying. If you aren't already thinking of this, take a moment right now and think of something, sometime, something you've said that you now regret. A careless word, a word that, well, glossed the truth, a word that hurt someone. For me, I can almost see it in slow motion. That word that goes out of my mouth and almost immediately I know, I know what I've said, and as the word is passing across my lips on the way out, I desperately want to just reach out and grab it and pull it back in, but then I see how it lands on the person to whom I have spoken it. I can see it in their face, the impact I should have known, should have considered before I spoke. Wisdom takes the words we say very seriously. Wisdom is finding ways of life that lead to more life. Wisdom knows that in our words lie the potential for great harm. Life-giving words or death-dealing words. Wisdom thinks about our words all the time, whether we look to the wisdom in Proverbs and the Hebrew Scriptures or the wisdom in James and the New Testament or the wisdom in almost any other tradition. 
we can't. We can't find ways of living that lead to more life if we don't consider the power of the words we say and the impact of our speech on those around us, on ourselves, and on the whole world. James picks up on that and warns us of what we already know. There are words that hurt. When the worship team talked about the scripture this week, Martha Spears, I'm going to quote you. Martha Spears said, you know that saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me? She said, well, that's just a bunch of nonsense. We all know words can hurt. There are words that are not true that cause great harm. Think about the vaccine. Countless numbers of people have died because they believed false words, untruths. The lie about the vaccine believed that lie until it was too late. There are words that don't match up with the lives we live, hypocrisy. We touched on that last week. Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. In another part of James, the writer says it this way. If you come along someone who is sitting there without um, enough clothes and without enough food and you say, go in peace, keep warm and stay fed, but don't do anything that matches your words, what good is that? What harm is that? There are words that discriminate and oppress. The writer James focuses on the poor the poor who are spoken out to the margins of their community, words that support systems of poverty and racism and xenophobia, all manner of injustice. And the writer of James also talks about empty bo boasting, something we might not think about at first, what I might call big talking. Oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that when we really don't know. We don't know what the future holds. Know that you don't know and say, God willing, I hope to do this. Stick to what you know, name what you don't, speak plainly, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Our words can and do crush, deceive, distort, demean, and destroy. That is the bad news. So what's the good news? Well, oddly enough, the good news starts in the same place the bad news does. We are created this way. We are created with the power of words. We are created ourselves to create new realities with the words we say. It's been that way from the very beginning. When Proverbs speaks of creation, it places wisdom there from the very beginning woman wisdom, the first of God's works from, the very, from before the world began. Wisdom present with God before the mountains, before the sea. She is there with God as God sets the heavens in place, sets the boundaries of the earth and the sea. Wisdom in pre present in creation, Proverbs says, filled with delight day by day, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in humankind. She's there with us. Wisdom. The creation stories in Genesis tell us that God speaks and a world comes into being. Let there be light, dark, the stars, the sun, the moon, the earth, and every living thing, the seas, the land, plants, 
birds, fish, the animals that crawl on the earth, and us, God creates us in the image of God. And then, as God walks with humanity in creation, gives us the power to name what God has created, the gift of continuing God's creative work in the words we say. And there's the creation story at the beginning of the gospel. The gospel of John in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God in Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt in us, full of grace and truth. God's word pulsing in the fullness of humanity, or as James says, God's word planted in us. Remember last week when we look in that mirror, what we see is Christ, the life of Christ, the word of Christ alive in us. We are created in the image of a God who speaks worlds into being. Our words have the power to speak realities into being. That sounds like a bold claim, maybe even a boast, but think back to the beginning of this year. As I was working on the sermon, I remembered that we spent all January talking about the words we say. That was our worship theme. We talked about together we serve. Those are words that this community spoke together years ago to describe your experience of your life in Christ, words that continue to create reality as we say them again and again to ourselves. Together, we serve and as congregations sing the hymn of the same name that has come to be in our hymnal. Those words have informed the words that we've claimed for this season of pandemic. Together we serve, moving forward, together we know the reality that has flowed from those words. We've taken to saying, this is the day that God has made, let us rejoice and be glad in an ancient words of scripture made new each morning in our speaking, speaking into the day the hope that we might notice God's presence in the whole of life and be a part of what God is doing. Grace abounds. Over the past 18 months, how have those words shaped reality for you? Grace abounds. When have you spoken them? How has your world changed? So here are some true things. Our words can and do crush, deceive, distort, demean, and destroy. And we are created in the image of a God who speaks worlds into being, and we are given possibility and power to speak realities into being. This morning's scripture says it like this, out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Blessings Words that create good in the world and cursing, words that harm and destroy. That describes our reality and it's problematic, as James would say, that should not be so. As the writer explains, 
We are created in the image of the God who speaks world into being, and far too often we curse, we speak harm towards those others who are also created in the image of God. With this awesome power in our words to create and destroy, to build up and tear down, how do we navigate between the two? How do we navigate the shoals, control the wildfire, bridle that wild horse? How do we find our way to wiser words? How do we find words of life that bring more life? We may want to start at the beginning of wisdom and just say at first, we know not. The writer of James suggests something similar, but maybe even a bit more practical. It's a bit of last Sunday's scripture that we read again today. Beloved, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Or as the refrain from Hamilton goes, talk less, smile more. Aaron Burr says that to Hamilton again and again with some irony. You see, Aaron Burr's problem is that he doesn't speak up in the world when he should. And Alexander Hamilton's problem is he never shuts up, and his words cause a world of hurt. Be quick to listen and slow to speech. The beginning of finding our way to speech may be silence. The Quakers have put this at the center of their life, beginning in silence and waiting for speech. Quaker meetings, their parallel of our worship, are filled with silence. They gather in silence and wait together, each person waiting, each person listening for the stirring of the Spirit, and then speaking, if at all, only when there is a sense that a word is ready and fitting to emerge from the silence. Robert Lawrence Smith says it like this, for Quakers, wisdom begins in silence. Only by listening in stillness for that still small voice of the Spirit and letting it guide our actions can we truly let our lives speak. I've experienced that in a Quaker discernment practice called Clearness Committee. With the Quaker within the Quaker tradition, it's a way that a member of the community can call folks together and seek support in working through some tough problem. The person invites folks to become this Clearness Committee. They gather in a circle in silence. When the person is ready, they present the problem, what they're struggling with, and then they sit there together in silence. The members of the committee are invited to offer a question or an observation, but only, only after they have sat with this question, is the word that is emerging in me apt and timely and needed? They sit with their question before asking it and consider, is my question apt? Is my question pertinent and relevant to the problem my friend is bringing, or is it, like so many of our thoughts, beside the point? 
Is it timely? Is this the right time to speak these words? And perhaps most importantly, is what I am about to say needed? Does my friend need this question? Do they need this observation? Or is this about something else? Maybe is it about me and my needs and my baggage or my impulse in this moment? And they wait together, testing their words and speaking only after mulling their words in silence. Can you imagine how much more silence there would be in the world? How fewer careless words if for every word we listened with the Spirit to see if our word was apt and timely and needed. If as those created in the image of God who speaks worlds into being, we considered in silence the impact of our words on those who also bear the image of God. Back a few weeks ago, we considered the wisdom of the generations, and I asked, what wisdom do you bring in, from your world, in, from your life? What's a word of life from your life? And I invited you to email me or talk to me or share, and some folks did. Someone said to me, you know, I think wisdom doesn't come to us only in words. Sometimes there is wisdom in silence with no words needed at all. Someone else said to me, you know, even when you have wisdom, I don't think you always need to share it. I'm not going to tell you who that person was, but they're rather close to me. The wisdom is sometimes it's better to keep it to yourself. Sometimes it's not what someone needs to hear right then. Maybe they need some space to get to that wisdom on their own. That's some wisdom. This week, Jessica sent me this quote from Yeats. In our silence, in our silence, we can make our minds so like still water that beings gather around us to see their own images and so live for a moment with a clearer, perhaps even fiercer life because of our silence. So that's the invitation this week. Be aware of the power of words. Think some. Think some about the words that need to be said and the words that might not. Is the word apt and timely and needed? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Talk less, smile more. Remember that mirror last week? When we look in that mirror, we see the life of Christ embodied in us. May we, in our reflection, create moments of stillness 
so that others might be able to gather around and see their own image, the image of Christ. And because of our silence, so live for a moment with a clearer, perhaps even fiercer life.